Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I've Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Samantha, were you big into slumber parties growing up? Yeah, actually, I was. I really liked a good slumber party. Being with my friends, doing silly things, playing weird games, eating snacks. Of course, it was kind of like a popularity contest about whether or not you were going to be invited to whomever's <laughs> party uh-huh. it was. It, it was a big deal. So, yeah, I, I was, yeah. Uh, I don't know the last slumber party I went to. For a while, it was just like a group of three of us would just hang over constantly throughout the summer. Yeah. But uh-huh. the actual summer parties are always for the big deals, and that would be for birthdays or some kind of celebration, cheerleading camp or whatever. <laughs> I didn't actually yes. do cheerleading and, and when I was doing slumber parties at the same time, but that's what I would assume. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I was. I have a lot of memories, both fond and they were kind of tense sometimes because like you said, they were sort of a popularity contest. Oh, it's a little bit of drama. Yeah, there was always kind of drama and like, clicks that might format the slumber party and then just feeling kind of vulnerable and perhaps your pajamas <laughs> that weren't super cute. But I did, I did go to a lot. I preferred to have them at my house because I slept better at my house because it felt like a more controlled known situation. So my place sort of became the slumber party place. But there were plenty of friends that had like nicer stuff and homes than I did. And it was always exciting to get invited to their their slumber party. There was one friend of mine, she had like horses and a pool and like three stories. And I actually have a really fond memory of making, putting up tents in her house. Oh, and they had like orange, like orange, they grew oranges and apples. So we would have fresh squeezed juice and drinking some of that juice and watching the Empire Strikes Back. And it was so good. (laughs) Yeah, I think we had one person who had a pool and we loved going to her house, but it kind of got awkward because she was an only child and it was obvious she was an only child because she also liked to control everything. Mm. Uh, We even had, though, she was a hero one year when one of our good friends started choking on a cheese pizza that went down the road on pipe and she did the Heimlich and saved her life. Wow. We'll never forget that. Good job, Ashley. Wow. (laughs) Good job, Ashley. (laughs) That cheese pizza. That's actually a perfect segue (laughs) to what we're talking about today. It really is. Here we go. It really is. So before we get into it, I don't think we're going to go into details or anything too graphic, but we are discussing a slasher horror movie. So we might be discussing some themes around like violence and there's definitely some like peeping Tom action going on. So just to put that out there, again, I don't think we're going to get into detail, but so you have a warning. As we are recording this and as it comes out, Halloween is upon us. So today we wanted to talk about the movie that is often called the first horror movie directed by a woman. Um, there are definitely, as we've talked about in Female First, a lot of caveats around this. Right. But that is like the search result you'll most often get. And that movie is 1982's The Slumber Party Massacre. It was a comedy horror slasher directed by Amy Holden Jones and written by feminist activist Rita Mae Brown. And the plot is fairly simple. A high school senior slumber party is interrupted by a murderer and uh, also there's a lot of pizza (laughs) 
in desperation for pizza that is very you know, relatable. I have to say, I don't know if there's like a, they are searching for that pizza, but that pizza, it ends up being such a like a comedic moment yes. that it became iconic. Because like, you don't, yeah. I was waiting for it the entire movie. Because if you go and look at the trailer, which is how we found this movie, Annie and I mm-hmm. were like, we need to talk about a woman director. What was the first horror movie that was directed by a woman or written by a woman? So we went down that route and this trailer popped up and all you really saw is A, the pizza guy and the narrator saying, and then the pizza guy arrives, as well as all of these reviews, which we probably really should have posted, but you know, whatever, (laughs) that talks about the fact that the pizza is like a pivotal point in the movie. And we're like, what is this movie? Yeah. Well, I I think that's actually really interesting. That's an interesting point because I wonder if we hadn't read the reviews because we were so primed. A lot of the reviews were like desperate search for pizza or their determination to eat pizza even (laughs) in the face of death. And we were like, we've got to see this. (laughs) So I wonder if we hadn't read that if I would have been more shocked when they did decide to eat the pizza off the corpse of the pizza man. But instead, I was just like, oh, this is like not as intense of a pizza love as I thought it was going to be. Right, really, other than the character saying, eating makes me feel better. Takes a bite. See, I already feel better. Like the- I mean, it was a fantastic line. And so therefore, the main character is like, well, let me have a slice of that until she hears a scratching at the door. Yes, and to be clear, many people have been murdered and the the body of the pizza man is in fact serving us their table at this point. Um, But, you know, pizza. (laughs) At the time... This was one of the first slasher movies that poked fun at itself in the genre. According to some sources, Brown's original script was repurposed by producers to make it a more serious slasher film despite her protests, and that's why it feels sometimes purposefully humorous and other times accidentally humorous. Uh, And Samantha and I watched this within the past 24 hours. in preparation. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I will say, like... I thought it, it's not very good, but I thought it was fun. It definitely has some problematic tropes and especially like that 80s. Oh, yeah. Kind of time frame and treatment of women is is on display. But it also had some really interesting things where I'm like, yeah, I think I can tell this the women were involved in this one. Right. Because of the friendship. We were talking about that element before this. The weird. Um, and how it's slightly, it's not as mean girl-esque. Right. You have yeah. the female gym coach who is kind of the protector here, mm-hmm. weirdly so. And I was honestly really weirded out by the neighbor dude thinking this was going to be become sexual, but it never did. He was mm-hmm. just a genuinely nice guy that liked to kill slugs, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I watched it last night, but it feels like forever ago. <laughs> Just to give a quick recap of this movie, I know we told you the thing, but essentially you come in to meet Trish, who is the main character, senior, throwing away her childish things at the very beginning, and yes, a flash of her boobs, because it's the 80s, and apparently immediately boobies. Right away. I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) hey. And then she walks to school, they have a moment at the gym, meet the new girl, Val, 
they kind of have sort of a mean girl moment when they found out she's such a great basketball player. At the same time, mm-hmm. you have these two obviously clownish boys who are talking about all the girls and who they're going to hit it. That's mm-hmm. too much of a uh, newer term, but essentially it was the same thing, including <laughs> hitting on the uh, female telephone repair person who immediately yeah. dies. And no one hears murdered. this, even though she's in the parking lot. There's people screaming about and 10, pounding on the yeah, window. <laughs> 10 feet away from him. And then he uses some type of power tool to kill her. But no one hears any of this because, you know, why mm-hmm. would they? And then mm-hmm. <laughs> we find that there's a slumber party. Val is kind of invited by some of the girls, but one girl doesn't want to invite her. She runs away sad, essentially. Come to the slumber mm-hmm. party, all hell breaks loose. Each one of them slowly start dying. Boys mm-hmm. first, though, right? Yeah, all the boys pretty Largely, much. Yeah, no, I guess, so there was. I, yeah, I guess outside of the repair person, as well as uh, the one kind of mean girl who really wasn't that mean, but definitely no. boy crazy, the, yeah. the boys died before the rest of the girls. It yeah, seemed. so I picked up on that too. Um, so the kind of mean girl who really wasn't a mean girl. She was definitely the, in heavy quotes, slut right. of of the group that was getting killed slash punished first, as most of these slasher movies are about punishment and morality tales. But other than that, yeah, the dudes go first. Um, and speaking of dudes, so there's these two, as you say, dudes who are kind of creepers in that 80s way where they're painted as like, oh, this is... This whatever, boys being boys, not so bad, but they were peeping toms. And they were just outside of the window at the slumber party, like, with the most over-the-top laughing. And like, yes. oh, look what we get to see. They're changing. Essentially, <laughs> like, I think okay. he said they were being rewarded. Mm-hmm. And then also, they're so loud, the window is wide open, yes, and no one can open. hear them. Like, this is the <laughs> other part. The amount of selective hearing that happens mm. in this movie, and I'm sure it's probably one of those kitschy things. I really would love to see what Rita Mae Brown had intended, because she was all about yeah. making it tongue-in-cheek. And just like mm-hmm. when we were talking about her history and her writing, it's all very much like in-your-face sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I'm betting it would have been so much more different. She's trying to make these boys look really clownish to a caricature level of 80s, aggressive, horny little boys, essentially. Yeah. But including that is the fact that there's so much selective hearing. The fact that pounding on the door sounds like the TV because she closed the door. So many things. There's so many yeah. things. But yes, they're right outside the window, loudly talking, loudly laughing, <laughs> and no one notices them. <laughs> Drinking their beer, you know. While the girls are changing. There is a lot of nudity in this movie. That was one of the notes I made as I was watching it. Well, yeah, like, what's that called? I just researched this, but, you know, boobs. A lot of boobs. <laughs> frontal <laughs> nudity. Yeah. Uh, I was just researching this for our upcoming episode, our past episode, depending on when you listen to this, on Scream Queens. Uh, it wasn't some weirdo thing. <laughs> it was totally right, sanctioned work right. stuff. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so the killer is, I mean, there's not much that goes into his backstory other than he's like a, a quote, maniac who has escaped from prison and is killing people with a power drill, which is definitely a phallic symbol. Um, (laughs) I think the symbolism is on purpose. But so, yeah, this party, things go off the rails. People are dying. Pizza guy dies. Dudes die. Val's younger sister, Courtney, 
like, because they're next door neighbors. I was right. confused by that at first. Yeah. But Val, eventually Courtney came because she was like, I want to go to people, see how pretty I am at this party. So Val came. And then Val, after many more deaths, ends up killing this guy <laughs> who randomly says, I love you. Right. To her. And then she... Not to Val, to Trish. To Trish. Yes. Yes. And then Val cuts off, I wrote cuts off his dick, but she cut off his power Power drill. Yeah. Yeah, with a machete and then killed him. And I was like, I feel the symbolism. (laughs) (laughs) I do love y'all. So it's, of course, the typical trope of that the murderer is not dead quite yet. And, of course, everybody turns their back to see this Uh dude. They cut off his hands (laughs) I will say my favorite part of that was the fact that you see the stump coming out of the pool. Not his actual hand, (laughs) but the stump trying to get himself out. And then his hand is coming out. (laughs) I'm like, that seems, okay, that makes sense. Uh, To the point that he, I thought he was speaking a different language when he started chasing Val. Mm -hmm. And then I realized he was just screaming, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to strangle you, which he tries with his one hand. And... Man, this dude is mm-hmm. really powerful with that one hand after having another hand being chopped off. Yeah. yeah. As well as the fact that during this time, the coach has come to try to save them because she knew mm-hmm. something was wrong. Uh, the amount of lingering mm-hmm. between the two of them, him with his power <laughs> tool, her with her poker, huh? Like there was so much <laughs> to be said, especially when she starts hitting him with the light taps, mm-hmm. with, but not with yep. the pokey side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you described it as like that scene from Austin Powers yes. where the steamroller is slowly coming and the guy's just screaming. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of that. I did find it interesting that kind of judgments because at one point there's like essentially two survivors left yes. of this slumber party and then Val comes in and she doesn't know yet that something is horribly wrong and she's just kind of like calling out to see who's there and they sort of have that discussion of like we have to help her no we can't because he then the killer will know where we are I also thought it was interesting like Val is literally the girl right. next door <laughs> she doesn't have much characterization Not at all, though other than being the sad pretty girl <laughs> uh, but they actually say yeah. that they think she is with the dude trying to kill them yeah oh. they, because she's like what oh, if she's yeah. with them what if she's with him uh-huh. and they're like and yeah. then the other girl says, well, that sure is an overreaction <laughs> for not being invited <laughs> to this party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even better. Uh, yes. Yeah. I did appreciate, too, like, trust me, these things, like, there's a lot of nudity that does not need to be in there. There's a lot of sexualization of outfits. But they did all change into, like, PJs really quickly. And I was kind of So like, that the boys can watch yep. a little bit. <laughs> And then they got they changed into yes. their very sexy PJs, and then the boys came and hung yep. out. Yep. I also did love that the girls, when it was the clownish boys getting to them, they attacked them. <laughs> one got punched, <laughs> one got flipped, and they're like, "Hey, don't sneak up on girls." Except he <laughs> snuck up on girls and killed them. He did. Watching this, I just kept coming back to that trope of 
how slumber parties have been so sexualized right. in our culture. And I've always been kind of confused by that. I guess, like, just having a bunch of girls going through adolescence together is... I don't know. All the, <laughs> absolutely. Like the male gaze in general, seeing like a bunch of exactly. girls coming together means there's definitely some sexual tension here. Right. Or I want them to be so right. that I can have my fantasies of young girls together. Right. Right. That idea has always confused me. I'm like, do you really think slumber parties? That's what. Okay. I think one slumber party, Interesting. We, we taught our, each other how to alleviate the stomach pains by sitting in a fetal position, but where your butt's sticking up from the ground to uh-huh. make you fart. That's how sexy we were oh. in our slumber parties. Okay. To relieve gas. Like wow, gas pains. I mean, Just saying, that's how sexy we were. That's important information to know. Yeah, I do. I, I think generally we like watched movies and played games. We had this game we loved called Tummy Ha Ha. Did you ever play that? You just put your your head on someone else's stomach. You make a circle like that. And then you just laugh. And you go like really loud like ha, ha, ha. And then everybody just starts laughing. It's really fun. Can't say I played that one. <laughs> That's how sexy yeah, we were. <laughs> I've done the never have I ever. Or mm-hmm. baby, if you love me, you'll smile. Super weird game. That was a super weird game. Yeah, I don't know that, but it sounds a little weird. We would sit in each other's laps and try to make each other laugh. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) the point being, I'm sure there are exceptions, but in general, slumber parties are not what have been painted, in my experience, (laughs) um, in the media. But there is kind of this, like, long-standing cultural painting of them as, like, a very sexual thing. And they are the source of many horror movies because of that. I did want to read this quote from a New York Times review written by Janet Maslin. Uh, the Sumbler Party Massacre is just the usual cavalcade of corpses, all of them dispatched by a maniac who wields a power drill. At the end of the movie, a woman who has miraculously survived the carnage breaks his drill in half. That's feminism for you, and symbolism too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so when this came out, it wasn't really well-reviewed. It wasn't uh, super well-liked, but it did go on to earn a cult following, and it spawned two sequels. The remake debuted just this past Sunday on Sci-Fi on October 16th, and the tagline of this movie is, you know the drill, (laughs) which made me laugh. (laughs) And just watching it, I was like, I can see how this movie influenced other movies that other horror movies that right. I've seen. Uh, and again... Yeah. It's it's a very goofy B slasher right. movie. Very, like, I laughed a lot. I will say that. There was those moments of like, eh. But I think in general, I would have loved to seen the original intent uh, had they not had mm-hmm. the producers be like, no, we need to make this like Halloween. They're like, this is not like Halloween. This is not supposed to be like Halloween. Right. The dude's not even that scary. He yeah. just looks little bit off like that's the intent yeah he's not wearing no, a mask he or just anything has he's just like a dude in jeans and a red shirt in a jacket absolutely no sense to it yeah. all and like, the fact of the matter mm-hmm. is like this was not what they wanted it came out like this and many argue like this is so bad this is so bad because there's such a weird in-between line that it shouldn't be it should be one or the other and they yeah. weren't able to fully yeah. do that but still still i enjoyed it i do think knowing that watching it made me pick up on some because there were tensions between 
Oh, yeah. So that these are, it's a, a pretty good group right. of friends, and there's not that too much mean girl stuff going on. They were trying to live one They're last They're trying to memory. invite this new girl. Trying to have to, yeah, one last hurrah, seniors. But then there were other elements where I was like, yeah, I can tell some dude producers have <laughs> intervened and been like, you need to put some nudity in some guys like watching. And uh, yeah, there were just some clear differences in how it should be, which makes it kind of mm. bumpy <laughs> in terms of overall tone. But I did enjoy it. I think knowing what it was helped me enjoy it better, but I did enjoy it. Is this going on your list? Perhaps. I've been thinking about this lately because, as I said, we were doing an episode on Scream Queens. And I do have a... I'm not generally someone who like who gravitates towards slashers. There are some that I really like, but in general, they're not my thing. And I was thinking today about what does it say that I like this movie because it's so unbelievable. Like the blood right. looks so fake and all the death scenes are kind of silly. Versus if I watch something like uh, the newer Halloween and I'm just really, I mean, you shouldn't be like, oh, this is enjoyable, but I'm incredibly right. uncomfortable and it's not something that I would watch again, probably. And I'm like, is that good or bad? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> Should I be so unsettled by murder, even if it's goofy? <laughs> I don't know. This is something I'll have to sort out with myself. <laughs> but I, I guess what my point being, like, if it's goofy, it's still the right. death of these poor, innocent, fictional ladies. And I feel kind of strange that I can enjoy it right. if it's silly. But I can't enjoy it if it's not, right. if it's gruesome and realistic, I guess. Anyway, I probably will watch it again. Not for work and just for fun. But in the meantime, okay, <laughs> that's what we have to say about this movie. If you have any movie suggestions for us or any topic suggestions at all, listeners, please email us. You can do that at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 